Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Last week, Pastor RJ, he brought a message, I will do what you ask in my name. And um, one thing he said in that sermon was that uh, to God, in everything we do, let God be, get the glory. This is such a, it's such a simple phrase, right? In everything we do, let God be the glory. But, I, you know, I just wanted to highlight that just for this Christmas season, especially as it gets super busy and there's a lot to do and a lot to see and, um, you know, a lot of running around. Pay attention to those small things. The little things, the little conversations, the little moments, and, and just see what God's doing and just ask him what he's trying to show you, what he's trying to say in those small moments. And in each and every small little thing, just let God be the glory. Amen. And so today we're going to continue our, our sermon series, the I Will series, and uh, the message is called I Will Come Again. Come on up, Pastor RJ. Good morning, everyone. A couple things here. Let's see. Four weeks of giving. Thank you all for the safe families. Uh, some of you here at Second Fam- Service didn't have an opportunity to participate in that, but if you leave your name at the Welcome Center, uh, occasionally a family pops up on our radar that needs a little bit of assistance through the season, and we can connect you with them still if that should happen on a uh, first-come, first-opportunity basis. And uh, one of the things with the, the codes for downtown that I actually started to talk about at first service and totally lost my train of thought Um, one of the challenges that they encounter when they're dealing uh, with the homeless is they can give someone a coat today, but often that coat will be stolen from them. Um, So, like, when you're interacting down there, it might need three or four or five coats through the course of um, the winter to make sure that people can stay warm, Okay. And uh, next week, uh, keep in mind, we're going to be filling a truck for Windsor Lifeline Outreach in a couple weeks. So we want to we fill a truck with the supplies that are going to be there. So be prepared for that. Now today, um, I'm going to be continuing the conversation on the I will statements of Jesus with the statement, I will come again. And for me, the statement, I will come again, is one of the greatest things that Jesus can tell us because In that statement, I will come again, there's hope, there's comfort, there's peace, there's joy, there's assurance. And I think that those things are very appropriate for the time that we live in, not just our timeline in history, but even the season of the year where there tends to be so much hustle and bustle and go, go, go and get, get, get. And anyway, the world seems to have gone crazy sometimes, but Jesus has given us the statement, I will. And he starts that discourse in John 14 with the statement, don't let your heart be troubled. And I want everyone in the room to imagine Jesus standing in front of you right now, and he's going to look you in the eye, and he's going to say, don't let your heart be troubled. I got this. Don't let your heart be troubled. It doesn't matter what you're facing. It doesn't matter your circumstance, your finance. It doesn't matter. Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. And the reason 
There's lots of reasons. I can't go into all of them. But he says, don't let your heart be troubled is, number one, this temporary portion of your existence is not the permanent ending portion of your existence. Our eternal home is with Christ in heaven, not just the temporary place that we have here on earth for a little while. And Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. Why? Because he's going to come back again and he's going to take us to be with him forever. In Acts chapter 1, 6 to 11. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And you know, in that season, they were waiting for the Messiah to come. The disciples realized, hey, Jesus, you are the Messiah. They realized he was here as the Messiah. And, and they were expecting him to come as a military leader, political figure to deliver the Jewish people of the day from the Roman oppression. And they were looking for a natural kingdom to be set up here on earth that Jesus was going to rule over and then they were going to come to power with King Jesus and they were going to be ruling and reigning with him. How many know it didn't quite work out how they thought it was supposed to work out? That's not a lot of you. Did Jesus overthrow the Romans when he was here? No, he was crucified. He died. He rose from the dead and he purchased freedom from our sin. I understand. But he didn't politically deliver them from the Romans at that time. And so they had an idea of how God was supposed to work in their life. An idea, a concept that they thought was supposed to be the way God was supposed to work. But God didn't choose to work in their life the way they thought he was supposed to. And here we are in 2023. And how many times do you think that God's supposed to work in your life a certain way, but he doesn't work in your life the way you want him to? And he doesn't solve your circumstance the way you want him to. And things don't work out how you think that they should. Has anyone ever been there? Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied. Jesus talking. The Father alone has authority to set those dates and times. And they're not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And that ties in really closely with our, our message next week, that I will give you the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will come. But after saying this, after Jesus says you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes, it says he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. So essentially, a cloud came and Jesus ascended into the heavens to the place that they couldn't even see him anymore. So then, as they strained to see him rising to heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Two angels appeared. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Now, when I was a rascally teenager yes my friends and I decided to do this on a busy corner downtown Windsor and 
we started pointing up at the sky. And there was nothing in the sky, but when six of us were pointing at the sky, it was amazing how many people stopped and tried to figure out what we were looking at. (laughs) And I see the disciples here, and they watch Jesus go up, and all of a sudden they can't see him anymore, but they're still looking like, where'd he go? Two men appear, two angels appear and say, hey, he's gone, but he's going to come again. And just like he went, he's going to come again. I want you to understand, Jesus told us where he was going to prepare a place for us. He told us not to stress about it while he's gone. Specifically, his words were, don't let your heart be troubled. Now, I can assure you, in life, maybe this morning, maybe yesterday, maybe this week, maybe last week, last month, last year, you've had an opportunity for your heart to be troubled. We have those opportunities. But Jesus says, don't. So if Jesus says, don't, and you're arguing, but, no but. Just don't. Let's do what he says. Don't let your heart be troubled. He's going to prepare a place for us. He said he would return and bring us there. Now, I don't know how you are in your relationship with God, but I'm pretty sure that when God says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. Now, the problem is he doesn't always do it when you think he should do it or how you think he should do it, but he's going to do it. And he says, we're promised life with him and assurance of salvation forever. So Jesus told us in the scriptures, he said he's going to come again. Now watch, Revelation 22, 7. For those of you that read your Bible on a regular basis, you would understand and know that Revelations 22 is the last chapter of your Bible. So God's revelation to us humans, everyone with me here? Revelation 22 is the last chapter. And in verse seven, look, I am coming soon. There's that word soon. I think they joke about that a lot in the the chosen about the word soon. Because soon to God and soon to you and I is very different. When I was in the Philippines, how did they say that? Sandali, Sandali Lang Ho? One moment. Am I close? It's been a while. Wait, just a moment. Right? Look, I'm coming soon. Blessed are those who obey the words of prophecy written in this book. In verse 12, jump down. Look, I'm coming soon. I'm bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. He's gonna come back and you're gonna be rewarded according to how you act on planet Earth. Some of you are gonna get better rewards than others. Wait, what? You mean we all don't get a shiny? No, you're rewarded according to your deeds to your obedience to his commands, to your obedience to do what he's told you to do or what he's called you to do and your obedience to fulfill his plan for your life. Some people are very selfish and they do not want to accomplish what God has called them to do because it's gonna cost them something. I am the Alpha Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. It starts and ends with Jesus. In verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this message for the churches. I am both the source of David and heir to his throne. David exists because God is 
spoke him into existence. And he sits on the throne of David as the final king who will rule forever. I'm the bright and the morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who's thirsty come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. Some of you have been walking through a desert in life and you're dry and you're thirsty and it's only in his presence. You know, one thing I really value about our worship team is they step up and they lead us into his presence. And it doesn't matter what you're going through or where you can, you can walk in and you can walk into the presence of God while they're ministering. And you can put aside the cares of this life and you can lay down the circumstances and you can lay down the challenges because we all are going to have challenges. How many know you're all going to have challenges? Jesus said, in this life, you will have tribulation. In the temporary life, there's going to be problems and challenges, and some of them are going to be really difficult to walk through. But don't let your heart be troubled. His disciples were about to watch him be crucified. And he's telling them, hey, guys, don't let your heart be troubled. Now, how many know they didn't always do a good job of letting their heart not be troubled? It says they all ran away. Even Peter denied them, <laughs> except maybe John, who kind of followed from a distance. And I solemnly declare to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy written in this book, if anyone adds anything to what's written here, God will add to that person the plagues described in this book. We don't want to add to the scriptures. Think about it. Didn't Eve do that to the word of God in Genesis? God said we cannot eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, nor should we touch it. I'm not sure where God didn't say you shouldn't touch it. He just said don't eat it. She's adding to the word of the Lord. That's going to get you in trouble 100% of the time when you add to the word of God. And we do this. We do this. We miss the intent that God had for his word, and we add our own context to it sometimes. And if anyone removes any of the words from this book of prophecy, God will remove that person's share in the tree of life and in the holy city that are described in this book, which means that there's people that will ignore certain parts of the scripture because it doesn't fit their belief system. But this is what I want to get to. He who is the faithful witness to all these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Verse 7, verse 12, verse 20, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. You realize there's only one more verse in the entire Bible after that statement, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And that's verse 21, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's holy people. That's it. Says it three times between verse 7 and 21 in the last 14 chapters. Jesus said, I'm coming soon. I think that there's a promise there. I think God's trying to remind us of something. I think he's trying to tell us something. What are you looking at and what you're focusing on? What's the emphasis in your life right now? Because often we're looking at the wrong thing. Yes, he's coming soon. Let's back up a little. The Old Testament. 
starting in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 3. Then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes in your return from exile and have compassion on you and will gather you together again from all the peoples, the nations where he scattered you. And then it goes and it develops through Psalms 2, 24, Psalms 72, Psalms 96, Isaiah 9, 6. All through the prophets, it references the second coming of Christ. Some, some scholars believe there's over 1,700 references to the second coming of Christ in the Bible, depending on how you count. When you get to the Gospels, Jesus talks about, I'm coming again, I'm going to return. He gives parables. He talks about this. In the New Testament writers, they talk about the second coming. One of my favorite verses on this is found in Titus. Chapter 2, 11. For the remarkable, undeserved grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to reject ungodliness and worldly and moral desires and to live sensible, upright, and godly lives with a purpose that reflects spiritual maturity in this present age. So there's grace given to us, and we've been talking about this, that allows us to live right. It allows us to reject ungodliness, to reject immoral desires, to live upright, to live godly, to reflect maturity. That's the grace. Awaiting and confidently expecting the fulfillment of our blessed hope in the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. You see, our blessed hope in the faith is that he's going to appear and he's going to come again. We can look forward to the day that Jesus comes. So we're in the season of Christmas and Advent, and it was a season of preparation where the world was awaiting the coming Messiah. And when he came the first time, there was joy. The shepherds the wise men, Herod wiping out entire village. I mean, maybe not joy there. There was weeping in Ramah, Bethlehem. But see, he came and we even sing about joy to the world because when the Savior came, suddenly mankind's sin problem was solved. There was a remedy for your sin. We all needed that remedy. We needed the blood of Jesus to be spilled on the cross so that we could know him. So he came and people were awaiting his coming, but we now, his second coming, we can await that with even more expectation and even with more hope. And then it says, who willingly gave himself to be crucified on our behalf to redeem us and purchase our freedom from all wickedness and to purify for himself a chosen and special people to be his own possession who are enthusiastic for doing what is good. You know, we're doing... Four weeks of giving, we're highlighting four weeks of the homeless and the hungry, local and internet and the father. Like we're working to do good works. And we're reminding you, hey, we're Christians. We should be doing good works. We should live this way every day, all day. Not just when we highlight four weeks. You should live kind and be compassionate and generous all the time. That's how Christians live. But he, he gave us the grace to live right, the grace to be his people, and the grace to be enthusiastic for doing the good things that he's called us to do in this word. When he returns, it's going to be very glorious. Charles Spurgeon, he's a preacher. On April 7th, 1889, 
Now, how many of you are alive in 1889? Well, some of you weren't even born in 1989. So his English here is the, the old English, like think King James style, okay? Moreover, this is Charles Spurgeon, I'm quoting him. I know we don't use that word so much anymore. But what he says is actually quite powerful. The great scheme of redemption requires Christ's return. It is a part of that scheme that as he came once with a sin offering, he should come a second time without a sin offering. That as he came once to redeem, he should come a second time to claim the inheritance which he had so dearly bought. He came once that his heel might be bruised and he comes again to break the serpent's head. And he, with a rod of iron, to dash his enemies in pieces as potter's vessels. He came once to wear the crown of thorns. He must come again to wear the diadem of universal dominion. He comes to the marriage supper. He comes to gather the saints together. He comes to glorify them with himself on this same earth where he and they were despised and rejected of men. Make you sure of this, that the whole drama of redemption cannot be perfected without the last act of the coming of the king. The complete history of paradise regained requires that the new Jerusalem should come down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And it also requires that the heavenly bridegroom should come riding forth on his white horse, conquering and to conquer, king of kings and lord of lords. Amidst the everlasting hallelujahs of the saints and angels, it must be so. The man of Nazareth will come again. None shall spit in his face then, but every knee shall bow before him. The crucified shall come again, and though the nail prints will be visible, no nail shall then fasten his dear hands to the tree. But instead thereof, he shall grasp the scepter of universal sovereignty, and he shall reign forever and ever. Jesus came to earth as the Lamb of God. He's coming back as a warrior king. Jesus came as a humble servant. When he returns, he will rule with a rod, an iron rod. See, when Jesus came, he came to purchase humanity. His first covenant coming to planet earth was to purchase our freedom from sin, sickness, and our past life. But when he comes again, he's coming to receive his bride to himself. He's coming back to restore order. He's coming back to set right the wrongs that have happened on planet Earth. And some of you quail and moan and whine because you see injustice. And I hate it too. But when he returns, justice will come forth. And the living and the dead are going to be judged. And they're all going to stand before him one day and see every single human being that has ever existed will have a choice. Because your choice is bow your knee to Christ through conversion, through repentance. That's how you get into the kingdom. You believe on his sacrifice, you repent of your sin, and then you obey his commands. That's how people get in to the kingdom. Everyone else is going to be on the outside looking in. And they're going to bow their knee too, but through coercion, not through conversion. Because when they stand before the king, the one true king, they will quickly find 
that their defiance, their pride, their arrogance, their hatred, it's all going to fade away and they're going to throw themselves on their face before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So some of you, you're practicing worshiping him now. (laughs) You're members of the kingdom now. You're taking on his nature and character now. You're practicing obeying his commands. You're doing the best you can now in this life. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 18, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet call of God, first the believers who died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. You know, I don't know much, but I know a little bit. I don't know all, but I know part. You know, it says when the trumpet sounds, the ones that died in Christ are going to rise up and join him in the sky. The ones that are alive in Christ are going to go and meet them. And it'll be a great reunion when he returns with the saints. You know, last night, uh, my wife, uh, my daughter, they were watching a movie called Greater. It's about a football player from the University of Arkansas. And I hate to give you spoilers and stuff, but it's, it's actually a well-known story from the 90s. And uh, through hard work and perseverance and faith, his faith, right? But then shortly after he was drafted into the NFL, he was killed tragically in a, in a car accident. Now, I have no idea why that young saint went home to be with Jesus long before his time. I don't know. Don't have an answer for you. Don't have a clue. It, it, it's unfathomable to me in so many ways. I don't understand it. But I know that one day the trumpet's going to sound. And he's going to go up in the sky with Jesus. And he's going to meet us there. And forever we will live together in our family, the family of God. And see, I think when Jesus is saying, don't let your heart be troubled, so many times the temporary things of this life get in the way of the eternal. And we lose sight of what's most important. He's going to come again and we get to go be with him. And we tend to focus on all the stuff in between that's messy and destitute and devastating and really quite sad. But Jesus is saying, don't let your hearts be troubled because you know what? In life or death, in the good and the bad, in the ugly and the beautiful, it doesn't matter what's gonna happen in the temporary life. You get to go be in a perfect life with me forever. He's gonna come again. Are we catching this church family? He's going to come again. He's going to return. And we get to go and we get to be with him. Uh, Why don't you stand with me for this part? Philippians 2, 9 to 11. It says, therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor 
gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven, on earth, under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Because Jesus was obedient to the Father's assignment on his life and lived a sinless life and was crucified on a cross, God resurrected him from the dead and exalted him to a position of authority that he has the name above all names and the title above all titles, the rule above all rules. No natural or spiritual being has more power than the risen Christ. He's been given all authority. In his authority, he will judge the living and he will judge the dead. But you will stand before him one day. And if you, as a human, didn't repent of your sin and accept the sacrifice of Christ because of your unbelief, because of your pride, because of your doubt, because of your hurt, or some other excuse. When you stand before him, you'll be on the outside looking in, and you'll be one that buys through, bows through coercion, not through conversion. But see, God in his mercy and his grace, he gives us an opportunity to give our life to him. He gives us an opportunity to surrender. He gives us an opportunity to change our ways. And he's calling men and women everywhere to repent of their sin, to accept his sacrifice for their sin, to surrender to him and start obeying his commands. And so many times... Good intention people try to obey his commands, but they forget about the love part and they become very religious and legalistic. And they might not have represented Christ well to you. But Jesus loves humans so much that he was willing to come and live among them, to live among us. He became one of us and he died for all of us. So while you're standing here today, before we go to the next portion of the service, if you've never had a chance to repent of your sin or you've never given your life to Christ, you've never surrendered to him, you've never said, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to lay down my past life. I'll give you an opportunity to do that now. All you have to do is step out of your chair and walk to the front and we'll have someone pray with you and your sins will be forgiven and you can be a partaker of the worldwide family of believers. You can be a partaker of the things of God and you can receive his grace and mercy and receive forgiveness. See, it doesn't matter what you did before you walked into this place. Do you have faith that God has given you that you can repent of sin and he will forgive you and you can receive forgiveness? If you can repent of the sin, God will forgive you of the sin. That's what he says. So is there anyone in here that you really need to give your life to Christ? You really need, does the Bible say, you need to be saved. You need to be renewed in spirit. You need a fresh beginning with God. If God's talking to you today, come down, join me at the front. I'll have someone pray with you. Lead you to the cross, lead you to Christ. Is there anyone that God's speaking to you right now?
Stay standing with me as we go to Lord. Thank you, Pastor Mary, RJ, and just thank you for this precious body that we are a part of. Oh, Heavenly Father, I just thank you that you raised up a son that was so willing to be obedient to go to the cross. to be dead, buried, and rise again so that we too can rise in newness of life. I thank you for your broken body. Your body was broken so that we could receive healing. Your body was broken so we could have peace of mind. Your body became poor so that we could become rich. All these things we thank you for. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your obedience to your Father. Thank you again for that broken body that went to the cross to shed your blood to wash away our sins. Thank you in the name of Jesus for your broken body. So, Father, I thank you for the cup. Your blood, Jesus. spilled for all of us. Jesus, today we lay down fear, shame, and a curse. And I thank you that you purchased our freedom in the cross. You sealed it with your own blood. Your word says to celebrate your death till you come Lord, today as we're talking about the second coming, you're going to return. We patiently await your return to planet Earth. Help us to be faithful with the things you've entrusted us to. In the meantime, that we could be obedient, that we could be loving, that we could be generous, that we could be kind, that we could be faithful. Let your peace rest upon your people the sick, release the oppressed, deliver the captive. That's why you came. So Lord, while we look forward to your return with great anticipation, we have hope in you. And in the midst of all the things that we have to walk through in life, we look to the hope we have in you right now so that we can transcend beyond the natural things and we can tap into your life, your power, your presence, your peace. So bless your people now, God. In Jesus' name. Well, hallelujah. Another awesome service. Amen. Oh, my goodness. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And here we are again today together. And we don't take this 
privilege. It's a privilege. We don't take it lightly. We are so thankful. And we're truly thankful that we can come to this body and be a part of it. Uh, you don't know how much that means to us that uh, we just call this our home. Amen. And, you uh, know, it's, it's just such a privilege to hear Pastor RJ. He spends so much time, and the worship team he's already talked about, but you just come into the presence. And today, I mean, I'm sure you had it too. The young guy that opened the door, he was just smiling, and I thought, wow, there he is at the house of the Lord. And the scripture came to my mind, I'd rather be 10,000 years in the house of the Lord than in some other court, some other place. So mm -hmm. praise God. Well, this is the Christmas season, right? And anticipation is in the air. And we've made it 60 years. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> and we can only thank God for that and uh, her great love for me. That's just been overwhelming. Yeah. So like Jean said, in anticipation fills the air. When we have invited guests to come to our home on a certain day, we expect them to come at a set time. We clean the house, I mean really clean it, make the meal, and are actually excited about their arrival. Any, any, any minor adjustments that need to be made are made. Do you have any of them in your house? Change the light bulb, you know, honeydews. We look at the clock in the time and time again. Oh, when they're coming, when are they coming? We go to the window and see if they're coming. We listen to see if the car is driving up. We unlock the front door. How much more excited should we be about Jesus coming to take us to our eternal home Amen. where there is no sickness no sorrow no pain no suffering at all of any sort family of God it's time for us to expect his coming and make any adjustments yep. that need to be made hallelujah so I'd like to share the same, some scriptures that Pastor RJ has already shared with us, but this will be read in the message. Chapter 3, 19 through 21. The people I love, isn't that you? The people I love I call to account, prod and correct and guide so that they'll live at their best. Up on your feet then, about face, run after, after God. God. Jesus is speaking, look at me. I stand at the door. I knock. If you hear me call and open the door, I'll come right in and sit down to supper with you. Conquerors will sit alongside me at the head table, just as I, having conquered, took the place of honor at the side of my father. That's my gift to the conquerors. Mm -hmm. Aren't you glad you're a conqueror? And we'll finish with Revelation 22, 20, and 21 in the New King James Version. He who testifies these things says, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. 
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be upon you all. Amen. Amen. Windsor, Windsor Christian, Christian Fellowship, Fellowship, you have, have been, been equipped. equipped now. Go. go. <laughs> be the church. We will go too. <laughs> Hallelujah.